All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves with Tim Wurzberger and Deirdre Wurzberger, who is going to join us at some point, but not right now. She's upstairs. Anyways, she is going to come down at some That's point. That's my mom. That's your mom. Tim's mom is here. She came to visit Tim, give him some TLC for that broken leg. How was how it going, Tim, having your mom around? It's nice. Well, she only got here today, but we had a nice dinner and... It's nice. That is nice. I think it's more for her than it is for me, though. Oh, is that why? Yeah, because being a thousand miles away from your baby with a broken leg, it's gotta be hard. It does. It really. It it, it must be hard. I I uh, I'm glad she's here. Thank you. I'm happy for you. Well, good. All right, we'll get her on the show in a little bit. She's very excited to come on. She's just getting her voice ready, getting all that stuff prepared. Anyway, so Tim, that's a good piece of news. The not-so-good piece of news is your Boston Bruins. You know, we had Kevin Connolly on. We were talking about game six, where it could go, you know, the possibilities. Did you ever envision this happening, what happened last night? No, because it wasn't just the loss. It was the effort they put out. The way they lost. The way they lost. It's funny. My buddy just texted me a little while ago, and he goes, yeah, it was a good series. And I'm like, no, not really. Like, the first couple of games are really good. But the last, the Islanders have been dominating, and it's just been frustrating to watch the Bruins with their season on the line just not even really show up for Game Six. Do you think the turning point was Carlo? Um, yeah, you can make that argument. It's a pretty strong statement to say, but yeah, yeah, because I mean we talked about it before the show. Like Barzal wasn't doing really anything the first couple of games, and as soon as Carlo goes down, who was marched, matched against him. He was like, you know, shutting him down. And then all of a sudden, Barzal goes off for six points in four games. So, yeah, you can make that argument. It changes your defense quite a bit when you lose your number two. because When, when it was already a thin defense. When it was already thin, you don't have Miller there to kind of steady that 5-6 pairing. And you're leaning heavy on Carlo and McAvoy and Grizzlick and Riley. And when you lose Carlo, who's a big part of that decor, as much as I like joke about how bad he is, that just puts all all the pressure on McAvoy. Yep. And I'd like to say that he, you know, wilted under pressure. I thought he played really well. He played awesome. I thought if there was an MVP for this series, as much as the perfection line just played so great, they were energetic. 
They were dynamic. Every single game, they made a difference. They I, they must have put in two to three goals every single game. Yes. They were really, really good. Yep. McAvoy was a star for the Bruins. He was so this good. This series. Like, they're... There's no getting around how good this guy is. I went into the series just thinking, oh, McAvoy, he's a very good defenseman. I think he could be a Norris winner. I think he is that kind of defenseman. He has totally changed my perception on Charlie McAvoy. And say, the same goes with the perfection line. I think those four players were the only players that came to play in this series. I don't think Taylor Hall showed up. Craig Smith wasn't there. David Krejci maybe had moments. Everybody else was awful. Grizzlick had two turnovers that directly resulted in goals in game six. I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, what is Grizzly doing? And I, I just don't understand what it, it was like that the puck just turned into a grenade and they just didn't want, they didn't want it on their tape. It, it was very strange. Yeah. McAvoy, I mean, he played like a beast and not only like, is he, is he, you know, shutting down their, their top lines and playing really well, but the toughness, like he, like you said, he took a beating every single shift because the Islanders knew how important he was and they were finishing their hits, targeting him, going after him. He always came back. He took that brutal elbow to the head from Palmieri in game six. Did you see that video? Yeah. It didn't get called, which is just an absolute joke, but he came right back out. He went down the tunnel, got, I think he got spotted by a concussion spotter, they said. Um, but he was fine, came back out, didn't really miss, maybe missed a shift, and that was it. Um, so, yeah, I think he definitely put some respect on his name. And I think I saw a stat, too, that other than McAvoy, the perfection line, and Krejci, no Bruins had more than one point in the series. It was is, not a good series for the Bruins. No. From no. top, well, not from top to bottom, from second line down, minus McAvoy. It, it was just, they didn't show up. And, and it really did further kind of stamp on what I was saying, how the Bruins don't have much depth. Islanders were good for top to bottom. I kind of broke down all their points for every single line, and every line on the Islanders produced. Sezikis had a couple. I think he had three points. Clutterbuck had one. Martin didn't have any, but he, you know, his value isn't on points. Every single line for the Islanders produced this series, even the defensemen. Like, they were all in on the game. Andy Green, I don't think, had any points, but you don't expect points from Andy Green. Every other defenseman was in on the score, the score sheet, and it's just... You, you can't beat a team like that if you can't match them line for line. There's just no way your one line is going to put up that many goals. And they did their best. Goodness gracious, were they good. Like, they dragged them to a game six. But, like you said, if Carlo doesn't get hurt and they're able to piece together their defense, maybe they squeak by them. Bruins were at a crossroads where they have some pretty high-end unrestricted free agents. And the top of the list is Tuka Rask. Now... He had a very forgettable playoff run. This series in particular, his save percentage was under 900. He His goals against were above, I want to say, 2, 5, maybe closer to 3. What do you do with Tuka Rask? Swayman looks pretty good. They have some de- – I know they don't have much NHL experience. I think he played 15 games this past season. In his brief, brief kind of uh, – his brief play, the, uh, the word is escaping me. What's that? The word I'm looking for. What? He is uh, whatever it is. He played well. His 15 games. He played really audition. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Your mom's making me nervous up there. Yeah, she does that. She's just like, I know she's listening. I'm just like, I. Uh, she's literally looking over our shoulders. She's literally creeping us out right now. And it's it's making me nervous. But in his audition, he played well. Like he, he did good. Tuka Rask, just say he wants $5 million. Do you bring him back? Yes. Really? Yes. Not he, even a question. He is not the reason you lost. But he's not the reason you won. Yeah, he was a big... Most of the games they won, he kept them in it. He did it in this series. He did it in, he did it in Washington. 
the numbers were there. I mean, like he actually outperformed Varlamov on paper. No, and you're wrong. In the playoffs. You're wrong. In the, no, in the two series, he had a higher save percentage. Not in the series that he played against Varlamov. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Rask's save percentage was like 893. If you say so. but It was terrible. But the, but the thing is, Rask has always been like, and this is the argument against him, and honestly, well, let me complete that thought first. The He's always been the best on paper, right? Like it, the save percentage is always like 920-something. The goals against is in the ones or early twos. But then he doesn't make the saves they need to win the game. He's not a situational type goalie. It's like, yeah... He'll he'll get two shutouts, but then game like game seven, he lets in four goals. You know, so that's kind of been like the knock against him, which I, which I think is fair. And and in the past, I've mostly been defending him. This is the first time that I kind of feel frustrated with him. This and I and I'm 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 late to the table with this. Most Bruins fans have felt this for years. I've been his, I've been defending him. I've been in his corner. This is the first time I feel like he needed to be better. And the fact that we didn't move on is largely rest on his shoulders. He's a big part of that, especially that. Gosh, what was that? The uh, the turnover goal from it. I know it's not his fault. Grizzly had that bad turnover against um, Brock Nelson, but you got to save that, you know. Yeah. So well, um, he throws the skates and he throws the puck and Mike Riley skates results in a goal. I know it's a, it's not a save, but it's a bad play on him. Like he, yeah, I, he just didn't seem like he was the same goalie. And this is kind of on top of last year where he didn't elect to go into the bubble. And I know he had issues with his wife and there was health, but his daughter, yeah. his daughter, excuse me. I think they gotta let go, let go of them. But, they but what's away. better? I don't, I don't know. But I, I don't think you can justify spending five million dollars on Tuka Rask when he's done nothing. Yeah, they. I don't want to say he's done nothing. He's the winningest goalie of all time for the Bruins in, without in regular season Cup. and playoffs without a Stanley Cup. Yeah. What, what's it all about? To be good in the regular season? No, but in the playoffs too, he's got the most wins. Not enough though. Yeah. So I just think... But is Swayman going to give you a better chance to win a cup? Give him a chance. You never know. It's No, the, the stakes are too high to give it to an unproven goaltender. Oh, because you're going to go roll out Tuka Rask again and win the Stanley Cup that he's never won in the I last just said Tuka Rask was a part of the reason that they lost, but Tuka Rask is also a big part of the reason that they have done as well as they have the last 10 years. And I just don't think that you can... Bl- pin a loss on him and say that if you don't build a better team in front of him, he doesn't bring you to that. I mean, they were within a goal... Uh, in 2019 against the Blues. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it's one game. It's just, I think you have to bring him back. I just so don't see any better options. If your big weakness on this team is depth and you don't have enough forward depth, you don't have enough defensive depth, you're going to waste most of your money in free agency to re-sign your goalie when you have a serviceable backup and there is going to be goalies in the market you can sign for a decent deal. A Mike Smith, per se. A goalie you can go out and spend $2 million on who can be a decent goalie throughout the year. Not as good as Tuka Rask, but not terrible. He's going to be okay. And you can go out and use that money, shore up your you know, second and third line. Shore up your third and fourth defenseman. Get some quality players in there so you're not rolling out a lineup of who is this guy, what's <laughs> happening, why are we – like playing these players that we don't have to. I, I just don't think that's the wisest spot to throw your money when there's so many bigger holes in your team. Well, so yeah, and I think it's a little too soon to do like a, an outlook at the Bruins offseason moves and what they need to do, but I do think they need to make some changes. And honestly, the, the bottom six for me is a problem. Like they, I think they retool that whole, maybe keep Corrali, but I think that whole, I like Lazar, but I mean, Chris Wagner can go, Charlie Coyle, they can't do anything with that contract, but 
you know, I think a lot of those guys, Richie can go, DeBrusque I think is going to be gone. I think they're going to trade him in the summer. So I think that bottom six is a big problem. And then you bring up the second line with Krejci and Craig Smith is good. Taylor Hall, what do you do with him? He's a UFA. Well, Krejci and Hall are both UFAs. Right. And Krejci, is he going to take a team-friendly deal to stay or is he going to go? Like these are the questions that you have. If you're Don Sweeney, this is going to be a tough offseason. You don't have a lot of money to throw around. It's a big year for it's, him. You have a flat cap, like we've said, and they have no money to spend. It's going to be tough. That's another reason why you let Tuka Rask walk, get yourself a couple extra million dollars so you can make some moves because there will be players out there. We saw the free agent list. There are some good players to be had. And if you want to make another push, if you're the Boston Bruins, you have the perfection line. We saw how effective they are. You got to give them some extra guys to play with. You can't just expect them to go out and score three goals a game to get you the win. You can't. So yes or no, should the Bruins sign Taylor Hall to a multi-year deal? Yes. So yeah. I want to say yes, and I said it on this show. Like I, I wanted him to sign five, six-year deals because you, you had those moments where like, man, this guy is just so good. He's such a good Bruin. But here's the thing, and he didn't show up in the Islander series. He didn't show up when they needed him most. And I just like, I'm looking into the future and I'm just seeing myself year after year being frustrated with him because he's such a streaky player. And he's not a guy that's going to score a point per game, I don't think, again. So when he guys that don't do that are going three, four, five games without a goal. And if they don't show up in the playoffs when it matters most, I can just, I'm going to be frustrated with him for the entire contract. Here's the th- We have the expansion draft coming up. If I'm Don Sweeney, I'm talking to, is it Ron Francis, the GM of Seattle? Yeah. I am packaging Charlie Coyle on a first rounder. So he takes Charlie Coyle or a second rounder, whatever they can make up, so they can get rid of Charlie Coyle. Get him off the books because he's he's not worth the money he's getting. You free up that, what does he make, five, five yep. and a half? Yep. You free up that money that allows you to sign Krejci Hall. You lose a draft pick, so be it. You're going to be a good team next year. It's going to be a, a very low first rounder. That's and they're terrible at picking first rounders too. And they're not, they're, they, yeah, they haven't had a good draft pick in a while. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get out from under that contract. If I can't get out from under him, I'm trying to get – Seattle to take another bad contract because you, you, you know who you're going to protect. Boston's in a good position where they don't have many good players. They're going to protect the top four. They're going to protect McAvoy. Then who else, really? Like, who like who were you really worried about losing on that team? None. Krejci's a free agent, so they don't have to protect him. Hall's a free agent. You don't have to protect him. All these guys, you don't have to protect them. So they don't really have any exciting young players that I know of. I'm not excited about anyone on this roster except for the guys you just mentioned. So they're, they're at a luxury where Seattle's going to have to pick somebody sweeten Seattle's decision with the draft pick and just get Charlie Coyle off your team. As shrewd as that sounds, he's a good player. He's not worth $5 bucks. No. So that's what I think I would do. Let Tuka Rask walk, get Charlie Coyle off the books. It frees up $10 million. You can go out and you can enhance your lineup. You can just try to get some depth for these guys because it's not very often you get a line that clicks like these three. You can't take them apart. Like that would be... It'd be, it'd be a disservice to the team if you try to split those three up because they're so good together. They're so good. So anyways, go down this list. If you're Don Sweeney, are you re-signing Hall? Yes or no? Yes. Krejci? Yes. Corrali? Mm, I don't need him. Riley? Yes. Miller? No. Tenorti? Yes. Rask? Yes. You would take Tenorti over Miller? Yeah. Wow. You can stay on the ice. I mean, I, lo- I love Kevin Miller, but he, it's just, if, you, if you're not on the ice, then I don't need you. Friend of the show, 
<laughs> I know. And Honestly, though, no joke, and I'm not saying this sarcastically. I actually really liked Tenorti's game in these games that he played. Like yeah. he was making some plays. He had a couple of good shots on net. Like you know, he joined a rush a couple of times. He's a big guy. He moves well for his size, and it's a very oh, yeah. simple what, he game. Had four couple couple goals, couple assists. Like he was, he's really good for today's game. For a guy who's playing like 11 minutes a night, and he, and he, yeah, no, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I, I had very low expectations. Guy. I love seeing. Maybe I am dumping on because I got traded for him in today's <laughs> game. If you're going to give 11 minutes to somebody, are you going to give it to somebody who's big and who plays physically sometimes because it's not really you know a physical game anymore? Or are you going to give 11 minutes to a guy who's smaller, can move the puck, can maybe make something Hold happen on, offensively? I think the huge problem for the Bruins in this series was their inability to move guys out in front of their net. Like how many goals did you guys see the Islanders just either either rebounds or one-timers? Tenorti like, played, so he was a part of the problem. Yeah, but that didn't happen when he was on the ice. So that's what I mean. Like the guys are like Lazan, he's he's a, he's a good bo- big boy, but doesn't play big. Clifton was getting pushed around. Gli- Grizzly was getting pushed around. You saw it with the two goals last night. You don't have to have a size. It's all about positioning. So Tenorti's not going to play twenty five minutes. So you can't just say Tenor Jared. Yeah, I'm not trying to just beef up Tenorti. Yeah, all I of agree. Sudden. They had an issue with that. Their their net front coverage was awful. Like there would be times where there's my three point guys is, but they they do need more size on the back end. Yeah, like a Charlie Coyle, put him on the back. End. He used to be a defenseman. <laughs> I really yeah so put him on the back end and then you're gonna get Carlo back he's a bigger body all right do you want to just touch on anything more with the Bruins or just talk about how good the Islanders were we, we talk about all the deficiencies the Bruins have the Islanders did play well I don't remember the last time I saw a team just play like so technically sound and like I mean it, it's the coaches watch this and just salivate over the way the Islanders played right I mean like they were suffocating. We talked about that in their own zone. You couldn't get any sustained offense against them. They were winning puck battles. They were blocking shots, forcing turnovers, outskating, working harder, capitalizing on every chance they had to score. Like they, they made the Bruins team not even interested in comparison to the way they were playing. It was just another level. And it wasn't because they were more talented. It wasn't because they wanted it more. They just, they just outworked them every step of the way. It's a typical Barry Trotz coach team. And Lou Lamorello talking with Kevin Connolly. He, he kicked Kevin Connolly out of the out of the rink. He's like, "No, we don't need you anymore. Sorry, we're a hockey team. We're not we're not some celebrity hangout. Beat it." So it, it's just it's it's all business. There, you go to the rink, you shave your beard if you're Kyle Palmieri. Like yeah. you're you're not here to to be a sideshow. You're here to play hockey, and you're going to play hockey my way, or you're gone. It's very simple. Did you play against Palmieri? Yeah, oh yeah. Is he like a is he like a frustrating guy to play against? Yeah, he's very tenacious, all over the puck. He's got that grin. Up. Yeah. Who do you think's more annoying to play against, him or Perron? Perron. Perron. Because he's French. I should, <laughs> did you see me hesitate when I said French? I just yeah, Perron. It may. It's not because he's French. So I don't want any hate mail from Quebec. Um, Perron's just a little twerp. He's just a twerp. And I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it's his tinted visor. They're similar, though. No, Perron is way worse than really? Palmieri. Way. Palmieri seems like the guy after the game you'd ha- like to have a beer with. <laughs> Perron seems like the guy you'd like to take out back and just start the chainsaw and just <laughs> go to town on him. So it's it's not even close. But he's, he's just a great player. The Islanders are just so incredibly good. They're so balanced. We talked about how unbalanced the Bruins were. When you have Pajot leading your team in scoring. And then you got Bailey, Beauvillier, and Palmieri, and all these guys. And you're not even mentioning, like, Brock Nelson and your first, your best player, Matt Barzal. Like, it, it's really incredible how many good players they, are, they have, and their fourth line is so effective. And they're just a really good team. And now they run into the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
and it's Groundhog Day. They played last year. Tampa Bay beat them in six. It was a good series. Islanders put up a good fight. The Lightning were the far superior team. The Lightning, they, they haven't changed their personnel very much. They, they picked up David Savard at the deadline, so he's, he's a good ad for them, but I think mostly they are pretty similar to what they were last year. The Islanders, they've added a few big pieces. Zajac and Palmieri, I think they really really change this team they give them even more depth they give them some experience what's cool is that they have that new jersey devils kind of connection with lou lamorello and zajac and paul i don't know i just think that's kind of cool do you see where do you see this series going what are the keys to this series i I mean i don't i I don't see any way the islanders beat the lightning I just You're the lightning. The lightning do what oh, the Islanders do, word. but they have more talent. Yeah, they are just as deep. Their defense is just as strong. Their goalie's better. Yeah, and their top guys are better than the Islanders. Uh, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. they can roll four lines too. Yeah, and I mean, I, I listen. I, I have total respect for the Islanders. I definitely underestimated them. And it's not like I like those guys on their team. There's no hateable guy. I mean, Palmieri I mean, drives me nuts. But like, they're a good team, and I'd like to root for them. I just don't see any way that they beat the Islanders. The, the Lightning. I really don't. I agree. I, like Tampa Bay's better. There's no yeah, everyone everyone knows that. I think the key to this series is just and this is a good thing for Islanders, they they don't take penalties. They yeah. stay out of the box and that if they continue to do the Saints. that the Saints, they will have a chance because Tampa Bay's power play is just lights out. They're clicking at almost fifty percent. I think they were fifty percent in this last series. I think they're forty four percent in the playoffs now. They're just so good. Especially getting Kucherov back. Like he is just it's 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 almost criminal that they pick up this guy at the end of the season. He didn't play one regular season game, and he's leading the Stanley Cup playoffs in points. We got a great tweet today. Is like talking about how the uh, Lightning are better. Like, yeah, they're about sixteen million dollars better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so true. You don't have Stamkos, you don't have Kucherov, and all of a sudden the season ends. You're like, oh, guess who's back? Yeah, the two best players arguably in the NHL are back, and they're just they're fresh. They're ready to go. They want to win the Stanley Cup. Kucherov's leading the league. Stamkos is right behind him with 13 points, and they're just filling the net. And then you're not even bringing up Braden Point, who just seems to score big goals. Oh, yeah. Whenever there's a game that's a big game for them, it's not Kucherov who scores the goal. It's not Stamkos. It's Braden Point for whatever reason. He just always finds himself in that situation, and he's just clutch. So if – here's my prediction. If – the Islanders can limit themselves to two penalties a game. That's what I'll give them, two. They will win this series. Mm. That's my prediction. I like Varlamov. I like the fact that if Varlamov even has an inkling of shakiness in his game, they're going to put Ilya Sorokin in, who, by the way, is 4-1 and one in the playoffs right now, and he's got great stats. Varlamov's 4-3, and three, but he's, you know, he's, he's taken the reins of late, so they will switch back to Sorokin in this series. I'm predicting that. I think Tampa Bay comes out, wins the first one. They start to win the second game, and Sorokin goes in. That's I, I, it's a bold prediction, Tim. That's my prediction. I think Sorokin gets in there, and he's the one who's going to win with Stanley Cup if they do get to the Stanley Cup. Wow, he will be the starting goaltender. But it's going to depend on if the Islanders can stay out of the box. They play them five on five; they have a chance. I like the Islanders. I like the way they're built. I love that fourth line. They are going to absolutely pound Victor Hedman through the boards. Ryan McDonough's banged up. I think they have a chance. I really think the Islanders have a chance. I think this will go seven games. I hope it does. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a very, very interesting series. I I just think these two teams, they match up so well. They are the deepest teams in the East. Here's the thing. 
we all knew Tampa Bay was going to get out of that division before before the division was even the ink was dry. Everyone's like Tampa Bay's getting out of that division. Yep, it was it was a no brainer. The Islanders were the sleeper team, and they're always the sleeper team. And they've just been good the whole season, and no one gives them the respect that they deserve. I think this is a time when they take that next step and like, listen, we're a good team. They're going to close out the Coliseum in a big way. They're going to get the Stanley Cup there. I don't know if they'll win the Stanley Cup, but they will be in the Stanley Cup finals. It's going to be me and Kevin Connolly. We're going to be taking private jets everywhere. We're going to be best friends doing it. That's how it's going to be, Tim. So you got Islanders in seven? Islanders in seven. Who do you got? Tampa in four? (laughs) No, I'll give them Tampa a six. Tampa in six. Okay. Okay. And what's the key to victory for Tampa? Just play your game? Yeah. Is is there any way the Islanders can win? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I give them a lot of credit. And like I said, I I definitely underestimate them. I don't anymore. But I just like everything the Islanders do, I think Tampa does better. I really do. Because like like I said, they're just as deep. They're just as strong in the back end. Their goalie's better. Their top end guys are better. Man, do you think the fact that they haven't played each other this year is an advantage for the Islanders because Trotz is just a better coach than Cooper? Yes, and especially because they're not reliant on any one guy. Yeah, like you shut down Stamkos and Kucherov. I mean, yeah, you still got point, but like that's that's that changes everything. You shut down Barzal and Bavillier, like that doesn't change their game at all. Yeah, like they, they, they've anyone been shut down those playoffs. Yes, so like they have more weapons, but like you said, if the Islanders can't shut down. The perfection line. I don't see them shutting down Kucherov. That's just how I see it. So he's going to get his points. I, I, the Islanders have to win the bottom three lines. That's the key to their game. They're going to give up the goals to Kucherov. You have to shut down the bottom three lines and win those three lines. That's how the Islanders will win the series and staying out of the box because they're deeper. They're not more talented than any team left in the playoffs. They maybe they're more talented than Montreal. They're sure as heck not more talented than Tampa Bay, Colorado, or Vegas. What do you think of John Cooper as a coach? Never, never met him. He almost, man, I, I don't. <laughs> but as a coach, I, I, I'm indifferent. I, I don't think he's that good technically, or he's not a good tactician. I think he's very emotional. I think he gets the guys going, yeah. but he just lets them play. I don't think he has great systems in place. I think he leans on his assistants a little bit for the the power play penalty kill and just the game plan. I, I, I think he's more of just a player's coach where he kind of, Gets to know the guys. He's friends with them, but he's also hard on them. He's more – he reminds me of Joe Quinville. He's just – Joel never really did plays. He never really did, you know, anything X's and O's. He was just a coach. He put people in position. He was the guy in charge. He was the guy in charge. He put people in position to do a job. He's like, okay, you're going to be in charge of the forwards. You're going to be in charge of the defensemen. I'll oversee everything. He's like a Bill Belichick because he didn't call plays, did he? Yes, he did. Of course he did. No. Did he call the offense? Uh, I mean, no, not directly, but for a long time he did. Oh, uh, well, never mind. Who's calling you? I don't know. I don't know that number. You got to call Tim? You just showed me his phone and the girl's calling him. I don't know who it is. It's a girl, though. He's all nervous and flustered. But Let's anyways. talk about Vegas and Avalanche. All right, Vegas Avalanche. We're coming up on game six. What a turn of events this is. This series, Colorado, and I did some digging, Tim. So going into this series, everyone's like, Colorado's a juggernaut. They're going to be just, they're going to run over Vegas. Vegas has no chance. I did a little digging, and if you kind of dig into the stats, Vegas has been the better team hands down. Minus that 7-1 game, which kind of, it's, it's, a, it's an outlier. Why? Because Lander didn't play that well. If you look at the chances of that game, Vegas outchanced them. If you look at the expected goals, Vegas had more expected goals that game, and it was just a weird game. 
If anything, that game should have been like a a 3-2 game for Colorado, but it wasn't. It was a 7-1 game. Going forward in game two, it was more of the same. The Avs power play, they, they, they scored an overtime to win it, but the Vegas Golden Knights outplayed them, hands down. But Grubauer played well. Fleury kind of didn't play that great, and there was a couple turnovers, and Colorado just lucked out and won that game. Moving into game three, it was just a complete domination by the Vegas Golden Knights. If you, if you look at the five-on-five chances, Vegas Golden Knights had 15, Avalanche had four. Moving on to game four, the Golden Knights had 17 grade-A chances. Avalanche only had five. So... The way it works with grade A chances, you should expect to get five a period. That's what you're shooting for. You get 15 throughout the game. That's a good number to get. If you're the avalanche and you're only getting four grade A chances a game, that's that's not good. And this is five on five, not power play. Yep. So that's not a good look. You're generating zero offense. You're expecting maybe to get a couple turnovers for a grade A chance, but you're you're generating no offense at all. And that's very, very concerning if I'm the Colorado Avalanche. Moving forward, they lose game three, they lose game four. Going into game five, the Vegas Golden Knights still outplay them. They they dominate them, and they get the win. And now here we are. Vegas is up. Well, sorry, Fleury played pretty well game five. I, I, I misspoke. Colorado played pretty well. That was a good game. It could have went either way, but Fleury stood on his head. Vegas wins that game. And here we are in game six. It shouldn't even be this far. Vegas should have won it a long time ago. And I don't think this is series is as close as it should be. And Vegas has just totally controlled this series. Right now it's 2-2, two to two, halfway through the second. Is that right? Who do you think is going to win then? Who do, you, who do you have in this series? I mean, well, if you're up five, uh, three goals, three games to two, then I think you're probably going to win the series. It's just, it's very, is Colorado fooling us? I thought Colorado was honestly going to walk through Vegas. I thought they had a great team. I love their defense. I love their forwards. Is the elimination of Nazim Kadri this big of a deal for this team? Because they're not the same team with him not in the lineup. Yeah, probably. And I just don't see any way that like you give Fleury two chances to, to close out the series and he doesn't deliver on one of those games. Yeah, I agree. I think the one thing that stood out with me is Jonathan Marchessault. He absolutely just – he's taken over the series. He's been unbelievable. He's got the hat trick. He, he took over game three. If you could roll him out, and I read something funny. His line that he's on, who's his line? It's Carlson, Marcia Stowe, and I'm blanking on the other guy. They played together tuck? since the inception of the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, wow. So they've, they've been in the same line for four years now, and they've just built this like really great friendship. Gosh, it's, I'm blanking on who he plays with. I'll I, pull it up. I, I apologize. But it just he, that line has just come out of nowhere. Mark Stone's starting to play really well. They're just playing really good. Their defense is coming together. Not that it's coming together. They have a good defense. And Riley have, Smith. And Riley Smith. Yes, yeah. that's it. So those three are just playing really, really good. And when you got Mark Andre Fleury playing the way he's playing, I, I just Vegas looks really good. Like, goodness gracious, I, I thought Colin. I don't know. I think Vegas has a cup now. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be them and the Islanders. I would love that. You would. Yes. Why? It's just such a cool story. It's a likable team. I hope they win over Lightning. I don't want the Lightning to win. I don't want. The, I don't think the Lightning will make it. I think the Islanders will make it. I want the Islanders to win for some odd reason. I don't know anybody on the team. I just want them to win. I think they're the underdog, the bad news bears. No one believes in them. Yeah. I just want them to win. I think Vegas, they're in Vegas. They gamble. They have the weather. Everything's great there. Everybody loves them. It's like you guys already have everything. You don't need a Stanley Cup. But it would be cool to get Ryan Reeves, Revo, as I call him, Yeah. Do you? on the show. 
Nice. You know, I was I, we text every once in a while. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Hopefully, <laughs> Colorado wins. We can go to a game seven. And then Montreal surprises them again because everyone's going to be so tired just like when they faced uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg. I just think Montreal. You never know. They could be the Cinderella story. Everybody's forgetting about them. They're just sitting in Canada waiting for this series to be done. All right. Did Winni- Winnipeg, did they, manage, did they manage to stay out of the headlines? No, I was just going to end the show on that. Yeah, let's talk about it. Mark Shifley. So they do the year-end meetings here, and he said something. I, I don't know if it's controversial or not, and he probably will get suspended from this, or fi- not suspended, fined, because the NHL doesn't like players speaking out at all. But he, he had a, a quote. Someone asked him you know, how it felt to watch, what, it, what his thoughts were on the series, and a very innocent question. You expected him to say, you know what, I, it was not so good. I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have been suspended. It is what it is. But he kind of just had a moment of clarity and honesty, which was kind of refreshing. And he goes, obviously, it's crushing that my season was ended by that, and I wasn't able to play in, that, in this series. I thought I was going to try to be shut down by Philip the No, and instead it was the Department of Player Safety that shut me down. Whoa. I don't think it's a whoa, but it's like... I do. It's a pretty like scathing quote. What what do you think of your Gary Bettman, George Peros, and you hear this when Mark Scheifele, who is a superstar in this league, just throws this dagger at you saying, you guys shut me down. It was a, pretty much, this was a joke suspension, and I, I don't like it. It's such a clever line. There's no way he thought of that on the podium. He thought of that like the night before yeah. or like, you know, the, the game before or whatever. Like, and he's just like, oh, I hope someone asks so I can deliver this punchline. It is a good one. I don't, he'll get a $5,000 suspension or a fine for it. I keep <laughs> yeah. saying suspension. But one yeah. fifth of what Tom Wilson did. I will say this. If he is in the lineup, if Mark Shifley plays, it's a completely different series. Yeah, but do you think it's still... Well, they don't win the series. They got swept for rip. But right. I do think it it changes things. Deneau is so good at what he does, though. He's so is Pat kid. Joe, by the way. Just going back to the Islanders real quick. He... He was more. He won more face offs than Bergeron did against each other. Well, Bergeron cheats. Didn't you hear? They all trots? cheat. They all cheat. He is a dirty cheat. You're gonna call Tom Brady a cheater too? Well, he deflates his footballs. Yeah. Of course, he's a cheater. You know who's not? Josh Allen's not a cheater. But I don't. Mark Scheifele. I th- I think it that series goes to six games if he plays. I really do. He's a good player. He he changes Winnipeg's game. The power plays better. Their first lines, but everything's better. But anyways, I don't want to go it back. It all ends the same, though. We're moving forward. Montreal's going to play Vegas. Then we're going to have Tampa Bay and the Islanders, and it's going to be the Islanders and Vegas, and it's going to be a great series. What do you think? Uh, I hope it's I hope it's Vegas. But I, I just I think it's going to be Vegas and the Lightning now. Mm-hmm. Right now, so Rantanen just scored another goal, because of course he did. He has 18 goals in his last 37 playoff games. He is the opposite of Mitch Marner. He is his uh, George Costanza opposite. Whatever radio show you were on the other day, like that little quote about Marner is just floating around. Got a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, chiming in on that. What quote did I say? That you blamed him for the Leafs loss. I do blame him for the Leafs loss. Why? Why would you not blame? Oh, he's a scapegoat. He's the scapegoat. He's the Jake Gardner. He's not a scapegoat. He didn't have one bad play that you can just pinpoint. He played bad the whole season. This series, excuse me. He's the reason they lost. If he plays good, they win that series. It's it's not even, like, I don't know how you can have an argument about it. If Mitch Marner plays good, the Leafs win that series. They lost in seven games. Last question. Uh, do you like the puck 
over the glass being a penalty? Should that be a minor penalty? Um, yes. Why? Because it can be used as a tool. I, I When I first played, it wasn't a penalty. And when you were hemmed in, you were doing everything you can to throw it out, to give it to the goalie to get it out, to shoot it out. That was a play that you would do a lot. So I think if you want more offense – and if you want guys to have to play the puck and make a hockey play, you have to I, – I like that penalty. Now, I will say this. I wish there was some kind of just judgment call by the refs if someone's, like, trying to just get the – that's the thing. If you're lifting the puck that high, you're trying to get the puck out. So yeah, it, but sometimes it, ju- it just misses the top of the glass and – Yeah. It's just – But you're not trying to make a pass out of the zone. What, what, what penalty do you get called for most often? Me? Yeah. Fighting. Besides fighting, like minors. <laughs> I didn't get many minors. Probably like uh, cross-checking. Elbow or tripping. Cross-checking, cross yeah. Because I would go in and like cross-check somebody. Fighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell them John any, Scott sent you. I didn't get many minors, honestly. I was just fighting. If I if you're on the fourth line and you get a minor, that's bad. That's a bad penalty to take, especially if it's just it, it costs you. So you never you never like in a roughing, I would get a roughing penalty. Like yeah. but those aren't uh, usually you take two guys in those those instances, but yeah. Probably cross checking. Yeah. That's a weird question. Just thinking about you. Just thinking about me. I'm thinking about Deirdre. Deirdre, are you still up there? She's still up there listening. It's so uncomfortable. Where else would she have gone? I don't know, maybe for a walk. Who knows? But it's very uncomfortable. Do you like Do you, listening, Mom? How was the show? Great. Oh, she's on the show. She made it. I don't think they'll hear her. Nah, it's fine. We'll get her next time. Anything else you want to touch on, Tim? No, I was watching the outcome of this uh, Vegas game. I hope it goes seven. Very exciting. We'll touch on that for the Monday show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Go to HockeyFights.com to get all your fighting needs. Get those frustrations out by watching me get my face punched in. Very exciting. All right, everybody, have a good weekend, and cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.